This is Bet MGM tonight. Join us for live sweats. Yes. Let's go, Kansas State. That was a big balls three. Three minutes ago. Big balls three. Instant reaction. This is an unbelievable thing for me to see. My favorite team, my true favorite team. Less mistress, more side piece. And maybe a few regrettable decisions. Oh, he's got bust written all over him. Gutekind sucks. Jordan Edison ran a 5-3-40, and he's Tristis height. I'd take him. You know what you shouldn't have done? Bet on the Wizards. Yep. Now, live from Washington, D.C., it's Ryan Horvath, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashew. Ryan's out under the weather. Hope to have him back tomorrow. PJ's in here as well. Trista Crick, Nick Ashew. Mystics with a one-point lead, 75-74, with 27 seconds to go. Look at this. If you know. Hanging on tight. I know exactly know. what you're dinging about. Well done, well done, you as expected. I mean? Yep, know exactly what you mean. Peach, did you say your Orioles are up right now? Five. Five two. Five two. Five there you two. go. Trying to win that division. You That's got the Rays and doing. Rays and Angels tied at two. Oh for right Oh now. for goodness gracious. Oh Hearn's two for two. There's nothing like just, you need the O's. You just talk to me. I right? did I did. And I, I, get, I know, and him. I literally gave I you O'Hearn. Fa- favorite O and then like Favorite um, O. <laughs> favorite O tonight. And and I'm sitting in the parking lot and he doesn't doesn't respond to the text, doesn't respond to the text. I'm like, F it. I'm calling him. He's like, what's up? I'm like, yeah, favorite O. I need your favorite O. And he's like, it's not Gunner. I tell you that. So I put Gunner in another parlay, but the big parlay is with O'Hearn. And that's already cashed. Liberty minus six and a half. O'Hearn over a half a hit. Uh, over 17 and a half outs for Zach Gallon. And the Sun money line against the Lynx. Uh, that's plus 600. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, I know. You got yourself a little sweat. <laughs> yeah. What time does the sun play? We got to get that. Is that uh, after this game? The sun plays at 8. Uh, oh. That's 8 p.m. Well, it's 9 Eastern now, so. So it sounds, sounds like right now. <laughs> yeah, it's going on for an hour, You actually. might want to look at how that game's going. You may want to. Check it out. may want to peek on that. While you're peeking on that, we'll bring on Chris Carter. Covers the Steelers for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Also host Locked on Steelers podcast. Uh, so do you feel better or worse that Steelers team after what we saw last night versus week one it's been it's been kind of a a complicated start to the Steelers man but you got to feel at least a little bit better about where they are from maybe week one I'll tell you what the Steelers finding a way to win ugly was a good way for them to kind of say hey we're going to learn lessons I talked to Mike Tomlin today during his Tuesday press conference and he by no means was using this as like a victory lap for the Steelers in this win. And it's an important division win. And this is an AFC North division that was supposed to be highly competitive going into this year. And now they're only a game behind the Baltimore Ravens in first place. And yes, the Steelers offense has still been terrible. They had negative yardage in the fourth quarter. And Mike Tomlin even talked about the importance of them coming in with a better game plan that anticipates what their opponents like to do in a better fashion. There's a lot of things the Steelers have to work on. But I think what really works in their favor is that this is still very much a young roster on offense. Kenny Pickett's in his second year. Najee Harris, Pat Frymuth in their third years. They still haven't even had to start Broderick Jones yet, though. If Dan Moore Jr. doesn't shape up, that might be sooner rather than later. There's a lot of a lot of things that could work in their favor. George Pickens also in his second year for this team for this offense to find its footing and to eventually grow. Young groups do that, and it takes time. But this defense, you saw even in a game where Cam Hayward wasn't wasn't playing and Minka Fitzpatrick missed half missed half the game, they still found a way to be the defensive playmaker unit that they have been when they've been playing at their best. They didn't even play their best, but TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith both getting touchdowns uh, and making huge plays in this game. It shows the Steelers are still 
a team under Mike Tomlin that can find a way to win even when a lot of things aren't going in their way. Let's talk about the emergence of Jalen Warren, who I think before mm. the season started, a lot of us thought could have a breakout season. Gives you these shades, as PJ was saying, of Tony Pollard and Zeke. Najee feels a little bit more like a plodding back, big, strong, powerful, but it's like three yards. And, and Jalen Warren feels like he could break off 20 any given second. How do you think his role changes or evolves throughout the course of the season and how much do you think they need him for this offense to come around they need him because he's a great second punch for this Steelers offense I I still think that there is that sense that yes Jalen Warren when he runs he looks so much faster right because he's able to break open in space but go back and look at a lot of the plays that he does break it's because defenses don't look for him the way they look for Najee Harris. Most times when Najee Harris is getting the ball, he's getting hit at the line of scrimmage or defenses are sending two linebackers to blitz and he has to make three guys miss just to get three yards. Whereas Jalen Warren, he's getting the ball and there's about a guy not five yards from him and he's able to hit his top speed. But I will say this, last year when they when they brought in him as an undrafted free agent and he was fighting his way through training camp, Eddie Faulkner, Steelers running back coach, told me straight up, he's like, Chris, we had that guy as the sixth best running back in the in the draft class. And when we saw he went undrafted, we were like, we're getting that guy. We're finding a way to incorporate it into this offense. So they're more than happy to do so. But Jalen Warren's build also lends him to being not a not an everyday back because if he runs the way he does about 20 to 25 times a game, the way they want to give the ball to Najee Harris, he's going to experience more injuries. We've seen it with smaller backs before. But I do think that this is a Steelers offense that you'll see over time start to lean on him in different playmaking situations and find a rhythm. But a lot of this still depends on can this Steelers offensive line make progress Towards the end of last season, they were playing a lot better than they started. But in this, in these first two games, even with Isaac Samalo, the, the player they got from the Eagles, who Jason Kelsey was like, oh, they took my, my favorite guy. They have not played well. They haven't looked coordinated. They've been able to kind of mitigate Nick Bosa and, and Miles Garrett from being extra playmakers in the games, but they haven't blocked well in the run game, and Kenny Pickett hasn't felt comfortable in the pocket. If they can improve their blocking in the run game, I think you'll see Najee Harris start to take over games a little bit more. Last, last night, there were two times that they gave him space. He got 17 yards and 25 yards on those runs. He has three runs already over 15 yards. The problem is the Steelers' offensive line only gives him one or two of those a game the rest he's getting hit at the line of scrimmage that is going to be the determining factor but Jalen Warren certainly a fantasy value because the Steelers will try to get it to him in space when teams fall asleep on him Chris there was a lot of expectations for year two for Kenny Pickett and really this offense and I I hate to say they look good in preseason that's a dangerous phrase but the reality of it is we can use that phrase and say they looked really good in preseason Uh, they're 31st right now in rushing they're 26th Mm -hmm. in points scored they're 18th in passing yards right now I, I know it's not just one person that gets all of the blame for any of these situations. It's a collection of things not going right. But how much of the responsibility and maybe the problem is on Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator? Matt Canada is certainly part of, part of it, though Steelers fans would like to say he's all of it. I, I disagree <laughs> with that. But Mike Tomlin even kind of called it out a little bit in his Tuesday press conference. He talked about how like the Steelers have to scheme better for what opponents like to do. They have to come out in the start of uh of games and look sharp and, and look sharper and start faster that's what they did in the preseason very well but part of what happens in the preseason as you know 
Defenses don't game plan for offenses in preseason. You're going into the preseason games looking to just execute what you do, make sure that we can kind of see as, as coaches that, okay, you know your assignments, you're doing this right, you're doing that right. So the Steelers were able to go into those games, kind of call what they wanted to call and just operate what they wanted to do. And teams weren't trying to scheme to stop specific things that they see on tape. And I think that led to some of the success that, success that they had. Now, granted, at the same time, there's also just been routine plays that haven't been about what defenses have done. Kenny Pickett has just missed them. So it's a mixed bag here for the Steelers. And I think that's part of what's been the problem is that it's not just Matt Canada. It's not just the offensive line. It's not just Kenny Pickett not seeing open receivers and not hitting open receivers. It's kind of been a mixed bag of all those problems. But this this is a this is a guy, Kenny Pickett, who studies film religiously, who pushes himself. I've had sources tell me that last year, even before he was the starting quarterback, when he couldn't get reps with the first team, what he would do is he would come into the facility uh, you know, early in the morning before practice, and he would run through every play that they were going to practice. The first team was going to practice that day just by himself, go through the motions, go, th- go through exactly what he has to do and what he has to read. He is that dedicated to getting sharper. I covered him at the University of Pittsburgh. He, he takes time to grow, but when he gets to where he wants to be so that he can understand and have a true command of an offense, that's what the Steelers want because he's a true captain. He's a guy that when he's when he's on his game, he's making the right decisions, and that's when he's truly the most dangerous. He's not there yet, obviously, but the Steelers have confidence that if they keep letting him build, keep letting him learn, and they protect him, they keep him from getting injured, he can be that guy in the future. What do you think his upside is? I'd say his upside... That's a good question. I, I think there's upside, and I know that LaShawn McCoy put this out there and Steelers fans run with this as Joe Burrow because of the hand comparisons and they kind of do that. But I legitimately believe that Kenny Pickett could be, you know, maybe not exactly Joe Burrow and be an MVP conversations, but he can be that really cerebral quarterback. Like that, that to me is the best thing about Kenny Pickett when he's at his A game. That's what he did at Pitt so well. He could under he could decipher defenses when, when he slows the game down enough. He's picking through you and making smart decisions. He's not an ego-driven gunslinger the way that I think that sometimes Ben Roethlisberger would get the Steelers in trouble for. Sometimes it's what made Ben Roethlisberger elite because he was like, I can make that throw and nobody else can like his pass to San Antonio Holmes in the Super Bowl. But Kenny Pickett's a guy that he wants to take the smarter pass to help his team. And he's not ego-driven. He's, he's looking to try and work and develop with his teammates. And he pushes his teammates to be better. I think his ceiling can be, be being a Pro Bowl quarterback who is leading a Steelers offense forward. But Kenny Pickett is not a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes that can kind of operate with maybe one supreme playmaker and Travis Kelsey and then a bunch of other guys like Sky Moore and Marcus Van de Scolding. He does need a supporting cast around him. That's why I think it's imperative for guys like George Pickens, guys like Calvin Austin, who I think had a really good uh, showing uh, on, on Monday Night Football, guys like Pat Frymuth and even the emergence of a Darnell Washington on, alongside of Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. It is imperative that those guys step up as playmakers, and if they do as a collective unit, that could make this Steelers offense dangerous later in the year. They have two games against the Raiders and the Texans that I think will be easier uh, defenses to face than the Browns and the Niners, who are just very talented units. That might be some time to get some things cleaned up, but they've got to clean them up soon, or things can get a lot worse for this offense. I noticed you didn't mention Deontay Johnson, who, uh, because I've had him in fantasy for so long. Uh, I hate. Uh, <laughs> like, is he just becoming less and less a focal point of this offense as other young players start to emerge based on all the different things that have gone wrong with him? Oh, no. I skipped his name because he's on injured reserve for the next four weeks, and so we're right. not going to see him. But I will say, like, in the, Brown- in the Browns game, in the Niners game, go back and look at, like, the All-22 if you can with NFL+. Plus. 
they were trying to get him the ball. Matt Canada drew up some really good schemes, and I know that sounds crazy to say. You're like, what? But there were times Deontay Johnson was open 20 yards downfield, and there was one time even Kenny Pickett even saw him, and he just flat out missed him. Deontay Johnson is one of the best route runners in the NFL. And you go look at ESPN metrics. There's a lot of other independent outlets out there that, that show metrics of separation and how much space is created purely by a route runner. And Deontay Johnson is either the top or near the top in all the different metrics that examine those. And the Steelers recognize that and respect that. But the thing is, is that Deontay Johnson has had the absolute worst luck as far as when he's come to the Steelers organization for quarterbacks. His rookie year in 2019, Ben Roethlisberger goes out for the season. They have a duck collar throwing most of their passes, a fourth string guy in Devlin Hodges. Ben comes back in 2020, and that's when Deontay Johnson starts to show some flash. But then his knees give out, and then he becomes old man Ben Roethlisberger. You see that in then in 2021. And then in 2022, he had rookie Kenny Pickett and a backup in Mitch Trubisky. And now in 2023, he's injured. So I think Deontay Johnson, he's still very much a focal point. He just can't be for the next month or so because of IR. But when he comes back, if Pickett, if Pickens is, is starting to find his groove and Pickett is feeling himself in the offense and performing better, Johnson will be an X factor for this team because he gets open so well and he forces a defense to be honest because right now I think teams, they're going to start crowding George Pickens a little bit more and force Kenny Pickett to go to Pat Frymuth and other guys. But when Johnson's on the field, they're not going to be able to do that as much because the, when they see Johnson is getting open, as long as Kenny Pickett can throw accurately, they're going to see we have to honor him as well. Talking to Chris Carter, BetMGM tonight. Got about 90 seconds or so here. We, we came into this year looking at the AFC North. There was a lot of hype. There was a lot of expectations. There was some you know, maybe outside chances that maybe all four teams make the playoffs. These are the types of narratives we heard. There are certainly people betting the Steelers to make the playoffs, maybe even win the division if they like that value. I know we're only two games in, but we got a Joe Burrow calf injury that looks like it's probably going to be a problem for the Bengals moving forward. Nick Chubb done for the year for the Browns right now. Uh, does this feel like it's the Ravens division to lose or do you look at the Steelers team and say they can get this right and they can at least maybe compete with the Ravens to win the division or maybe you still throw like the Bengals or the Browns into the mix I wouldn't count out the Bengals just yet mm-hmm. because Joe Burrow yes he's dealing with some injuries I also think he had a little bit of a hand injury in the first game against the Browns he kind of got hit early and he was always flexing that hand but I kind of look at the Bengals, and I still think they can find their footing and be dangerous as an offense again. Their defense definitely took a hit. We see how good Jesse Bates is in Atlanta, and that was one thing I was like, they're going to miss him. And so I do think that the Ravens certainly, they are in, they have the foothold, but the Ravens know. And John Harbaugh, great coach, he knows the Steelers are going to be right on them no matter what it is. The Ravens and Steelers are always like right behind each other. Whether one's better than the other, they're usually within a game of each other. Like even last year, the Ravens, they had the better season overall, but the Steelers at the end of the year were just one game behind them and if it wasn't for Kenny Pickett getting knocked out of uh, their first encounter in in the Ravens game and Mitch Trubisky coming in and throwing three interceptions and Chris Boswell missing a field goal maybe the Steelers win that game and it's the opposite so I wouldn't say it's the Ravens division to lose I'd say this division is up for grabs right now the Ravens certainly have the one game the one game lead but everyone else still has to play the San Francisco 49ers who I think are playing some of the best football in the entire NFL right now so the Steelers They're fortunate their one loss is out of the conference, but I will say this. Their offense has a ways to grow. The Browns, I I said from the jump, I think that was a bad move to go get Deshaun Watson for all the picks they gave up and all the money they gave him, and I think now you're starting to see that, and now without Nick Chubb, 
they're going to take a huge hit. So I think it's going to come down to can the can Joe Burrow and the Bengals offense resurrect the Bengals season? They did last year when they started 0-2 and they brought it back. I think they could do it again and be competitive. Can the Ravens continue making progress with Lamar Jackson? And can the Steelers offense be better with Kenny Pickett? It's going to be a tough fight. It'll be close, but I think it's going to be going down to the wire. Chris Carter, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Locked on Steelers podcast. Check it out. Great talking to you, man. Thanks for coming on with us. Great stuff. Thanks, y'all. All right, it's Thank Bad MGM you. the night.